I want you to go with me over to Isaiah 6 and another opening in Matthew 21. And by now, uh, you've been around uh, this series long enough to hear us talk about the importance of being the well. Say it with me, I'm the well. Uh, we've been trained, we've told you uh, through the years, institutionally, to believe that a certain location was the well, or a certain preacher was the well, or a certain revival was the well. When at the same time, God had already revealed that his individual believers are actually the wells. Look at somebody and say, a two-legged well. Come on, say it, a two-legged well. So wherever you went, the uh, possibility for the supernatural was already there. But if you're always looking outside of that reality, then it's going to limit actually what you actually experience, what you see, and also what's done in you and through you. So God is busy renewing our minds. Aren't you glad for that? We're a work in progress, but at least we're progressing. And so we're renewing our minds not to look outside, but to see what he's actually deposited on the inside of our lives. And so we've learned that if we're going to grab this, we're not going to get taught this it's something you're going to have to catch. Vision is caught, not taught. Say that with me. Vision is caught. It's not taught. And the context of teaching the Spirit of God can quicken this to your heart. But the reality is you've got to get this by revelation. We've talked enough about it. to give the Holy Ghost plenty of time to give you that revelation. Can I have an amen? So say it with me. I have it. I have that revelation. Uh, you're, you're the well. Then we talked about empowerment to understand what's actually on the inside of you. If we say you're the well, that's great, but we need to define what actually is in the well. What are the contents of the well? And in that well is everything that pertains to life and godliness. We understand that the living God actually is there, not just temporary, amen, and not limited, but permanent and in full measure. Because he is the head, we are the body. Jesus had the spirit without measure. Well, how can he have the spirit without measure and the body only have a part of it. So the Spirit of God is that nature, that essence of the well, that living water. No matter what uh, metaphor you use, it all comes back to the same thing. It's the Spirit of the living God who's not just floating around heaven. Actually, God had sent him down here when Jesus ascended. He sent back down the Holy Ghost. Say, thank God for the Holy Ghost. Say it again. Say, thank God for the Holy Ghost. Now, here's where even the charismatic Pentecostal word of faith, you know, understanding or revelation is limited. Uh, Jesus, uh, of course, uh, gave us understanding that we have to have the new birth. We're born again by the Spirit of God. And we also have received the baptism in the Holy Ghost. But that's where a lot of people stopped, as if it was just about us. But when you look at Scripture carefully, you find out that the baptism is actually a gateway to others. Acts 1 bears that out. He said, uh, look, you're going to wait in Jerusalem until you be what? And do with power from on high so you can have a Holy Ghost party until you die. That is not what he said. What he said is, you'll be my what? And you will be my witnesses. You could say it like this. And you will be my traveling wells. Here locally and then ultimately around the world. And that's how we have today churches in this part of the world because that has come to pass and that's still coming to pass even as we sit here tonight. But it's the nature, the essence, the Holy Spirit of God. That means all the gifts, all the fruit are there, the sevenfold spirit is there. Say it with me, the favor of God, the blessing of God, everything he has, everything he possesses, that dunamis, that dynamite, that sin, sickness, disease, poverty, I mean despair, bondage, displacing power is in you right now. And the scripture tells us in Ephesians chapter 119 and 320, this is actually the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. So while we've been trained to go look outside for the latest show and the latest great preacher or the charismatic person, that resurrection power has been in us. So while we've had these experiences, we've been capped because of our thinking and our training. Well, now we understand that we're the well, but we also understand what's on the inside of us. The Spirit of God and everything that He has is available to us for us right now. What's, what God is going to be doing in our day, and uh, I, haven't, I haven't grabbed the whole of the, the full season on measure of this in terms of understanding, 
But right now, it may seem to you that the resurrection or the eyesight being restored or the hearing being restored or limbs growing out or body parts coming back, you know, from God's storehouse and creative miracles being done. It seems like those are the exception. There's coming a day, even in this nation, where when it doesn't happen, that will be the exception. The rule will be the eyes open, the ears open, the creative miracles take place, the lame walk, the devils are cast out, and the bodies are raised from the dead, all for the glory of God. I hate to say this for those that are in the funeral business, but they're going to have a hard time in the future in this nation for a season at least. Because every time they go to conduct a funeral, somebody's going to get up from the dead. Amen. Bad for business, good for the kingdom of God. Amen. Uh, I guess they can find out something else to do during that season. But it's a sign and a wonder how many believe he's on the move. Uh, this is where he's headed. Now, if you're not careful, you made a mental jump to super apostles going to do that. Super evangelist is going to do that. So-and-so is coming to town and is going to have a mass resurrection. No, guess what? You are that person. You are that well. That power that raised him from the dead is where? It's in you now. So it's revelation. It's also empowerment. We also talk to you about the importance of staying connected to Christ. He is the vine. We are what? The branches. To the extent we stay connected to him, that virtue, that life-giving power, that resurrection power flows in us and through us. Cut yourself off from the vine and guess what? There's no life. You'll barely be alive yourself spiritually. You won't have anything to give anybody else. So you've got to stay connected to him in living contact, vital union, in prayer, in the word of God, in your confession, in your praise life, in your worship life, spending time with him, fellowshipping with him, staying cognizant and aware of his presence all day long so that you can be on the act of ready when something is out there that needs to be addressed. You know, when someone comes across your path at work or in a store or wherever you are, you're not going to have time to run back here to church and pray in tongues three hours. And then go back and find them. When Peter ministered to the temple, uh, the bigger the temple gate, beautiful, he didn't say, I need to go back and listen to my faith tapes again. I'll get back to you tomorrow. He was ready what? That day. And notice his language, such as I have. Now that statement, such as I have, is a man who began to understand that he possessed and had what was on the inside of him. And it was given to him to what? Dispense to others. That is remarkable when you consider that he had little to no teaching like we've had today. Three years. By revelation, he received that what was in him was to be dispensed to others and was tangible. Say it with me, it's tangible. It's real. It's not your imagination. It's not something you work up. It's not emotion. It's real power to meet and address the needs that you come across. And it's in you right now. I'm thrilled about it because this the day of focusing on a certain personality, that's over. The day of looking in the mirror and say, you're the well, you have the same resurrection power. Now, stay connected to the living God so that you can actually access that and continue to flow. It's there when you need it. Amen. So say it with me, revelation and empowerment and connection. But you know, um, having a revelation that, that I'm the well and having knowledge and understanding working knowledge, and I mean, you know, working knowledge is different from just head knowledge, right? Having knowledge of the empowerment. Uh, I can fly in the back of a 747, that's flying. But how many understand it's very different from actually operating that 747 from the cockpit? That's working knowledge. We have working knowledge of the things of the Spirit because of the kind of church that we are, and we can have that, and we can also have connectivity to God and be walking with Him in intimacy, but if we lack number four, it's not going to matter, and that is availability. It doesn't make any difference how much empowerment, how much revelation you have, how much connection you have to God. If at the moment you declare yourself not available, then nothing's going to happen in you or through you. And just like revelation, just like empowerment, just like connection, you and I are going to need to get a fresh understanding of what it means to be available in the day we live in. Available doesn't mean if I'm absolutely doing positively nothing else. If it doesn't inconvenience me. If it doesn't cost me anything. 
that there might not be any issues, you know, as a result. If everything's going to be just perfect, then maybe I'll get involved in that situation. No, we need to be ready to jump into whatever God gives us to jump into. Why? Because we're equipped. <laughs> right here in this room, every person in this room sitting here tonight, you're already more qualified by virtue of revelation and teaching than anybody in the early church. No question about it. Amen. In fact, they would love to have walked in the things that we actually are walking in and seen the things we walk in and the prophecies being fulfilled. So it's not that we don't have the goods. There are other factors involved. And something as simple as just availability is critical. We need the revelation and empowerment and connectivity to God. But if we don't have availability, it's as if we don't have any of those things. Say it with me, I am available for the Lord to use any day, any time. Now remember when we were teaching you about uh, supernatural increase, that something, 30-something part service, service we did, yeah. <laughs> um, a big part of that was training us, particularly in, in mindset of being a sower, to be sensitive, to be trained, to take what he has given us and invest in other people. All he was doing was setting us up to be what? Available. The same spirit that might tell you to pay for somebody's meal, fill the gas tank up or, or send them a check or drop some cash off at their house on an envelope, whatever it's done, everything can be done how he wants it done. It's not about people knowing, is it? I'll let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. There are times when, you, you know, they're just going to know because the Lord told you to do it. The, the same spirit that would tell you to do something like that is the same spirit that would tell you to lay hands on somebody. Cast the devil out of somebody. Encourage somebody. Say something positive. You see what I'm saying to you? We got this idea that there's levels of ways he's going to operate. Now it's the same spirit of God. It's the same voice. And you get used to hearing him prompt you in a certain way. And I've learned that's what he does. You, you learn to discern how he moves you and speaks to you. And the same way he would tell you to do something like that, that's, he's going to tell you to do something in terms of the other areas of ministry. So you all just been in training. Come on, say it. Training for reigning. And uh, God's honoring your prayer. He's honoring your commitment. He's honoring where you are. And you're, you're going to see outstanding things. Now, when those outstanding things are happening, you give him all the glory. Because you're a piece of clay. Amen? It's his power flowing through you. And uh, I'm just simply saying that if, you know, somebody receives, you know, a, a tip way over the cost of the meal or you, you send them, you know, a $100 bill or whatever it is you do, you, God speaks to your heart and you bless them. I've seen, you know, people in this church and other churches do all kinds of amazing things for people. And it's, what's, what's always interesting is the impact on that person's life. Amen. They might, they might not even be serving God, but they'll say, thank God. <laughs> they'll start praising God because of the generosity. Now, we've learned how to do that. Some people think, well, what's the point of the teaching on that? How does that fit? How does the message of increase and, and the, the anointing uh, on the sore, you know, the ability to be a tither and a giver, what does that have to do with anything? Because if we can do something tangible like that, and God can trust us to do something with material things, he can trust us with true riches. But it's the same mechanism. Say it is the same mechanism. But it all requires availability. And so I encourage you that when he's, he's prompting you to do something, he's prompting you to be a blessing to others, whether it is materially in prayer, encouragement, contacting them, ministering to them, laying your hands on them, whatever it is, that you get in the habit of, of doing it quickly and de develop the habit of availability. Because most Christians right now in the body of Christ, particularly during COVID, are distinctly unavailable. How can we be unavailable when he made himself so available to us? Does that sound even reasonably fair or right? No. Well, we, we, something bad might happen. Something horrible happened to Jesus when he made himself available, but he still made himself available. The fear of what might be can't stop you from doing what you're supposed to do. How about what will be? How about looking beyond the cross to what? The joy set before him. You and I are the product of the fact that Jesus refused to be unavailable. Aren't you glad he was available? 
Aren't you glad he's still available? So all these things are great, revelation, empowerment, connection to God, and living contact, but they won't mean anything if after we do all that, we, we're not available. We're not sensitive. We haven't, uh, you know, learned to bend to the urgings of the Holy Ghost. Brother Elstein used to talk about this so eloquently and, and, and powerfully that he'll urge you to do something. I love that phraseology because if we over-spiritualize it, sometimes we'll miss the whole boat completely. Everybody say the urgings, promptings of the Holy Ghost. Now, how many have learned he, he really is a gentleman? He won't make you. He won't scream. Uh, but I have had occasions where he's spoken something to me and, I, you, know, I was, you know, I was just really trying to discern it and for whatever reason at that moment didn't hit it right. And I've actually had him tell me to turn around. Um, and you get to the place where I know that voice. And I don't know who was telling me to turn around and take care of this particular situation. And it's always a blessing to do it. Um, being available means so much. But I want you to, to go to Isaiah 6 and just uh, put the foundation of the word under this for a moment. And we'll talk about this uh, really as, as, as long as the Lord wants us to. But come on, confess that I'm available. Day and night. Every day. All year. I'm available. Isaiah 6, verse 1, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. Now, lots of people made a big deal about the fact that this is when King Uzziah died, that Isaiah had a problem with idolizing King Uzziah. Um, <laughs> in this particular case, there wasn't all that much to idolize at this point in time, first of all. Second of all, this is just a marker of when he had this vision. It's telling you that this king left, but God was stepping in as the king of glory to say something else. I saw the Lord seated on the throne, high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphs. And how many know if you could see him today, he would look very similar. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphs, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces. With two they covered their feet. With two they were flying, and they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. Now, this is in Isaiah's day. Did it seem on the earth like the earth was filled with his glory? Do you know that part of the angelic ministry is the ministry of prophecy? Amen. Amen. Can I tell you this? The earth shall be filled with his glory as the waters cover the earth. That's a lot, isn't it? I mean, there's a lot of water on this planet. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and threshold shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the king. Lord Almighty. Now, of all the sins that Isaiah could be cognizant of in the glory of God, what did he first become conscious of? His mouth. What does that tell you? Isaiah is a statesman, advisor, prophet of God, and the first thing he feels he has to get in order is what? His mouth. Look at somebody say it's the same thing with you. It's your mouth too. Out of all the sins, out of all the components of the human being, what it means to be a part of humanity, the mouth is what comes up first. Look at somebody and say, it's the mouth. Then one of the seraphs flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. And with it he touched my mouth and said, see, this has touched your lips, your guilt is taken away, and your sin atoned for. So if Isaiah can be a sinner and still be used of God, amen. By that same act of redemption, we know how he did it. Then I, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, and this is the key, uh, you know, availability starts with being able to hear his voice. Tuning things out that are overrunning you and your attention. Um, 
you know, just recently had a conversation about this, and I think it's important bringing it up, but uh, how many of the devil would love for you to be in fear right now of what's happening in this nation? Now, unspiritual people, I would say, you, you, you know, you probably should be afraid because you don't have anything to, to lay down as a foundation. You should be uptight. Um, for example, when uh, the top military official in this country is talking to the top military leader in a communist nation, while the sitting president knows nothing about that, they used to take people out there on the wall and just shoot them. This is high treason in any democracy or republic. Don't hold your breath if you think anything will happen right now about that. But it should, partially because the rank and file who may get written up or demoted over not cleaning the latrine or not marching fast enough or showing up at the wrong place, whatever, and they get demoted or disciplined, they look at this guy who's the top official and does this behind the president's back and nothing happens, it's going to demoralize the rank and file of our military further. So we'll see what happens. Maybe he'll actually come to himself and do the right thing and just get out of the way. But you see what I'm saying to you? These are really perilous times in this nation. And uh, all under the guise of the president's going to start a war with China over Taiwan. You see who's really pushing the conspiracy theories in this nation. How stupid can you be? No, that was justification to interfere with the city and administration. It doesn't honor God, but it shows you how perilous things are. Now, if you're sitting back and you don't know God, you should be freaking out right now. Amen. With everything going on with COVID, if you weren't a believer, maybe you should be. But can I tell you this? Whatever you give your attention to the most, that's what's going to produce fruit in your life. So I just encourage you to turn your eyes and ears off of all the information. Amen. It's nonstop. Some of you are going to have to wean yourself off of social media. Cold turkey wouldn't be a bad idea either. Because it's nonstop. Every day something else. Here's another thing. Here's another thing. Here's another thing. Here's another thing. Amen. And what happens is you, you begin to build a stronghold on the inside of you based on what you're taking in. You listen to stuff long enough and you're going to have fear over something that's not supposed to have dominion over you. So what do you do? You shut it down. You stop taking that stuff in. Well, well uh, I won't know what's going on or I won't have the latest news. I mean, how many governor's news conferences could you watch anyway? I said this to Timothy, you know, for service, and I said, could you imagine if the governor came out and he said, today we're going to have another word conference? What if he got out every day and said, we're going to spend 15 minutes in the word today? The entire state would be filled with faith instead of fear. Because faith comes by what? By hearing and hearing by what? By the word of God. It makes no difference where you sit or what your position is or what your thinking is on any of this stuff. The bottom line is if you keep on entertaining it and keep on taking it in, you're going to make it very, very difficult for you to hear the one voice you need to hear. Learn somebody and tell them you need to hear the voice of God. I heard the voice. Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? What's he saying? Who's available? Apparently, the uh, pickings were slim. Slim pickings, yeah. And uh, the redeemed and blood washed and bought, Isaiah says what? Here am I, what? Send me. Send me. What's he saying? I'm available. He's going to over-spiritualize this text to the point we missed the real point. The point is he was saying, you know what, God? Here am I. I'm available. Use me. Let's say that right now. Here am I. Send me. I'm the well. Send me. And I don't, I don't care you know, where you think you are right now spiritually. You're further down the road than Isaiah was. He was not born again. You are. He wasn't baptized in the Holy Ghost. You are. 
His mind was not renewed to the extent yours are in terms of the things of the word, the word of faith. Yours are. But he still said what? Here am I. Send me. With the revelation that he had, with the empowerment that he had, with the connection to God that he had. And obviously he understood connection. He loved the presence of God. He worshiped the Lord God Almighty. But what really sets him apart is he was available. And we know from history that he wasn't afraid to get up in anybody's face and speak the truth in love. Today in the body of Christ, uh, you know, it just seems like uh, if you want to say anything to policy or to politician and you have a whole bunch of people in the church say, just stick to Jesus, just stick to the gospel. Can I tell you something? And people of God have always called on the carpet those that make policy and those that are in secular political leadership. Always. And so it's a cop-out to say, shut up. In fact, it's, it's really the devil using the voice of preachers to tell the preachers to shut up. Charlie did a great job in the men's breakfast talking about how, how connected we actually are in the ministry to the revolution of this country. And uh, one of the points that he made, it's a really good point, but if you look back at, at even our articles, you'll find out that many of the concepts were taken verbatim from sermons of preachers in that era. This is not something he made up. This is historical fact. And one of the reasons, watch this, it's one of the reasons why the same ilk in our country hate the Constitution as much as they hate the Bible. You can tell they do. They want it overthrown. They don't want the Constitution of the United States the way it is. They want to write whatever they want. And that's why you have to stand for the word, but you also have to stand for the integrity of our documents and raise your voice. So what we have now is we have, you know, we used to have the Black Robe Regiment, and now we have the Pansy Brigade. Amen. The robes, you know, with psychedelic stuff and flower power and maybe, who knows, a little tambourine, maybe a ball head. And what this country needs is the same thing. And in fact, if these guys were here today, you know, they'd say, what's wrong with you people? Can't you see what's happening here? The things that we fought for, the things that we stood for, the things that many of us died for. You have to understand, in the, in the early colonial period, those that were most highly educated were, were doctors and lawyers, scientists, and ministers. Even back then, most ministers had the equivalent of a master's degree. And so when it came to positions of leadership, even in the military, there were natural choices to take those leadership positions. You know, at captain, at colonel levels, because they were highly educated and they were expected to use that for this purpose. Today, we just lock ourselves in here and just preach, you know, generic messages and how-to sermons and forget that what's happening out there it doesn't seem like it's already affecting us, but if we continue to be blind and deaf and dumb to it, it will affect us eventually. Freedom of assembly, amen? Freedom of religion? Throw that constitution out, you don't have it anymore. Throw that constitution out anymore, and you don't have the right to bear arms. Oh, they love to do that. They want to write their own way. They hate the Constitution for the same reasons they hate the Word of God because the Constitution and Declaration are not based on white privilege, not based on racism, not based on somebody's persecution of anyone. It's based on simply the principles of the Word of God. That's the truth. Amen. Well, I love the Constitution. Amen. You remember in school when they used to actually have kids read it and study it? There's a reason why they don't do that anymore. Amen. No, we can be like France. We have a new constitution every five years. No wonder they need to be rescued every time there's a military conflict. Mm-hmm. Amen. But say, here am I. Send me. All he's saying is, I'm available. Say it with me. I am available. You know, it's premature to say I'm available if you've not been equipped. But church, I'm telling you that you are. There's much in you. There's power in you, resurrection power in you. If we just add now availability to it, it's going to rock this town for Jesus. Amen. Glory to God. Say it with me. Here am I. Send me. I'm available. Come on, put both hands up and say it. I'm available. Say it again. I'm available. 
Uh, I asked you to go to this other scripture, Matthew 21. Just getting back to uh, this one principle, you know, in uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer's day, they had heads of the Catholic Church and heads of the Lutheran Church actually back, basically bowing down to Hitler and the Third Reich and institutionally telling people why they should cooperate, even using scriptures like Romans 13 to justify what they were doing. Bonhoeffer wanted nothing to do with it, and he would speak up. And, of course, he eventually got involved with actually intelligence operations, and eventually he, made the, uh, he paid the ultimate sacrifice. But I want you to understand, that's what a, a true man or woman of God would do in a situation like that. Um, whether it's the Underground Railroad in this country or hiding Jews from their Nazi persecutors at the threat and pain of life, that's what you do. You stand up. Amen. I'm just telling you that because a big part of, of you going, availability is going to be preaching Jesus, but it's also going to be preaching truth to power. Thank you for your enthusiasm over that revelation. Say it with me, speaking truth to power. And you wouldn't believe historically the dozens and dozens and dozens of preachers who yelled at Bonhoeffer, just preach the word in Jesus. Just stick to Jesus, stick to the Word of God. Do you know what? Watching your fellow citizens marched off into concentration camps and into gas furnaces while you scream at Bonhoeffer saying, just preach Jesus is a crime in itself. I'm not going to, but you could drive 20 minutes and find this church preaching the same thing, making fun of people, lambasting them on Facebook saying that, that we, you know, we need to address these things. We do need to address these things. It's not preach Jesus in the gospel or speak truth to power. It's what? Isaiah is a prophetic book that lays out the, the, the redemption story of Jesus Christ. It's what we call the fifth gospel. It's a prophetic gospel. Say we have a prophetic gospel. But Isaiah just didn't stick to talking about the one that he saw in Isaiah 53. And you can't either. Amen. The day is coming. And how I many at that moment, you'll have the power to do it. You'll have the boldness to do this. Go over to God. Matthew 21. Look at uh, verse 28 here. The parable of the two sons. Say the two sons. What do you think? There was a man who had two sons. He went to the first and said, Son, go and work today in the vineyard. I will not, he answered, but later he changed his mind and went. Then the father went to the other son and said the same thing. He answered, I will, sir, but he did not go. Which of the two did what the father wanted? The first he answered. Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John came to you to show you the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes and even uh, did, and even after you saw this, you did not repent and believe him. Even after you saw the importance of the story, you still didn't respond with corresponding behavior. Now, the moral of the story is, one says, I won't go, but he went. How many know that's the man who became available? Amen? That's some people in the body of Christ. They, they've been holding out on, on the Lord. Then there are other people that say, guess what? I'll go. But what? They never get around to doing it. And that's a big part of the body of Christ. Which one is available? Now, what this story does is underscores what Isaiah said in Isaiah chapter 1, 19 and 20. Uh, if you're willing... What? And obedient, you'll eat the fat of the land. The guy that says, I won't go, but later went, what was he? He was obedient. But initially he was what? Not willing. The second son says what? I'll go. I'm willing. But he didn't do it, which means what? He was not obedient. 
to a certain extent, both unavailable, but one became unavailable. Wherever you are today, it's just a, a decision of your heart, a choice, a value statement every single day to make yourself available. There are people that uh, need what you have every single day. Oh, Mary's a religious town. What could I possibly offer them? The truth, the reality versus religion. Something powerful, something real on the inside of you. So the story of the two sons, one says he would go and doesn't. The other says that he will not, but he ends up going. He becomes uh, the better example for you and for me. The Western focus on church as building has crushed any concept of our level of availability. If I get to the building, then I've been available. What has COVID done to that thought? Amen. Another press conference, another variant. Can I help you out here? You heard it here. Amen. I'll stand by it. There will always be another variant of this situation. Your confidence needs to be in the Lord Jesus Christ. Your confidence needs to be in his ability to protect you and preserve you regardless of the personal choices that you make. Your faith better be in him because this is not going to be over just because somebody said this variant has, has gone through and this variant has gone through. Um, and you can't have confidence in what any of our government officials are saying or their health representatives. You better get your information from what the Holy Ghost is saying. Everybody say, thank God for the Holy Ghost. He will never have a press conference and lie to your face. Hmm. But I believe the Holy Ghost will blow the doors off of this thing, and that which is hidden, that which is secret, that which is, is, is despicable, will be brought out to the light in this nation. And that's partly what the devil doesn't want to see happen in this situation. I still wouldn't know how Anthony Fauci knew in 2017 there was going to be a major outbreak during the Trump administration that needs to be explained. One thing I don't think he is is a prophet. It's like, what did you know, when did you know it, and why did you sit on it? Vows who sitteth at the highest levels of the National Institutes of Health for Infectious Diseases. Why didn't you say something? Uh-huh. Amen. Turn to somebody and tell them the truth. But the focus has been in the West on church as building, church as gathering, church as function, church as Bible study, church as potluck, church as small group. And not churches, I'm the will, I need to go. That's the shift that has to take place, amen? And I'm available. It shouldn't take you long to figure out if, if someone won't even be available to show up at church, they're not going to be available to go. They're still working on Christianity 101. Thank you for your enthusiasm over this revelation. Amen? I pray... Forgive, read the Bible, go to church, and we're not even available to do that. Amen. Thank you for that holy tone. Those are some of the best stairs I've ever had in my entire ministry. Praise the Lord. If someone won't even be available to show up at the house of God, they're not going to walk five steps to go take what's on the inside of them and give to somebody else. See what's happened to the Western church? It's about me. Me. It's not about you. To live is Christ and die is gain. It's no longer I that liveth, but what? The Christ, you're supposed to be dead already. If I come to church, I might die. You're supposed to be dead already. Dead. D-E-A-D. Dead. So if you becoming dead gets you dead, we're already dead. So what's the point? That's where the renewed mind comes into play. Amen. The safest place you can be is in the will of God. Amen. But Fauci and the government and this and that and that person. Some of you need to just open up your eyes and see that if you show up at the Met Gala with no mask on and no social distancing and basically no clothes on either and then all of our children are masked all day long in the public school 
it's time for thinking people to start asking some questions. How do you suppress intellectual and intellectually honest questioning? Respond by calling everything they say a controversy and what? A conspiracy. Amen. The real conspiracy is the devil's come to steal, kill, and what? And destroy. That's the real conspiracy. And that's what we should be focused on. Amen. Say it. I'm available. Say it with me. I'm available. If Isaiah can do it, you can do it. You're going to be the one that when he says go, it's not going to be, yeah, I'll go and never get around to it. Or, okay, drag your feet. You want to be willing, what? And obedient. Mature Christians understand it's not about charisma, popularity, acceptance, or praise. It's about cultivating availability. All being available means is that you're able to be used. You are to be at someone else's disposal. Whose disposal might that be? Say, I'm available. I am at the Lord's disposal. Whatever he needs, I'm ready to do it. Amen. Now, that's not to say that somebody can't even handle the come to church party, that God can't do something in their life. I believe what's going to happen is as you all burn hot for God, you're going to catch other people on fire as well. Amen. But for those who've, who've decided, you made the quality decision that, you know, this thing has interrupted with your life and your plans and God's will for your life long enough. Start being more available than you've ever been in your life. Let the Lord use you. Amen. Other examples of this? Yeah, think about this. God told Abraham, hey, I, I need you to take a trip. Leave your family, amen, and your land and go to what? A place I will show you. Now, you know, the average mind would say, you tell me where I'm going, and then I'll think about going if it lines up with my agenda and what I perceive my future to be. But that's not what the Lord said. What did he say? Leave your family, leave your land, go to a land I will what? In other words, go and then I'll show you. We want to be shown. Repeatedly. In triplicate. <laughs> Confirmed again and again and again before we will go. Could you all say that Abraham was available? Yeah. How do you thank God he was available? Yes, God needed him to go where he needed to go. Now to Isaac, he told him to stay where you are. There's famine here. Why would you want me to plant, plant here, plant here? We're in the middle of a famine. Why would you say something like that? It's important for every believer to be available in the time and the season that they live in. Available to do the thing that God tells them to do. What about Joseph, the natural father to Jesus? Angel told him to cart his family into Egypt. What did he do? When he's heading back into the, the Holy Land, where does he tell him to go? Tells him to go into to, to Galilee. Why? Because there's going to be a prophetic statement that we all know of. He's going to be what? A Galilean. And, you know, he does what he's supposed to do. He's available. Say it, I'm available. Come on, say it, I'm available. Just like Abraham, just like Isaac, just like Joseph. But unlike Jonah, 120,000 people on the line, and God says, go to what? Go to Nineveh, and he boards a ship in the opposite direction. <laughs> Must have been real important to the Lord because he made sure that he got his attention. And uh, I want you to see this. So we think that if I'm not available, it doesn't cause anybody any trouble. Tell that to the crew with Jonah's boat. When you're not available, it causes trouble for other people. And they didn't want to throw him overboard. You can read in the text, they did not want to throw that boy overboard. They did everything but try to throw him over the board. But in the end, what did they do? Well, Jonah, it's us or you. You. <laughs> and there he goes. And the Lord had provided and commanded a fish to swallow him. Dr. Barthi says that's not judgment, that's transportation. He's right about that. <laughs> he 
And he survives. He's spit up on the beach. Jonah. You notice that God didn't change his mind. I wonder if while I'm in the belly of the fish, he'll change his mind. But when he got spit out, guess what? Hey, Jonah, go to Nineveh. And you can just imagine how he went. Forty days from now, Nineveh will be overturned. Lord bless you. See you later. You can just imagine the half-hearted and belligerent way he must have done it. However he did it, the Spirit of God seized upon the heart of that king. He proclaimed to fast throughout that land and that territory. And they fasted. They made the animals fast. And God relented. 120,000 people plus animals were spared. Um, this is about uh, 750 B.C. or so. By about 612 B.C., Nineveh had returned to its evil ways. And Nahum proclaimed the destruction. And a Babylonian coalition completely destroyed that. And if you want to understand how history connects back to those times and those seasons, the fighting that's been going on for 20 years included the same territory, what is properly now today Mosul, Iraq. It's important you understand everything is significant in the clock of God and the economy of God. Well, um, he went and they repented. You know what Jonah said? I knew you would relent. Now I'm mad. He's the original angry preacher. Do you have any right to be upset, Jonah? <laughs> Apparently he thought so. But to help me understand, he got obedient, but he was never willing. He started to bend towards the end of the story, you know. But the bottom line is, you see in him someone who clearly had the goods. And how many know you and I have the goods? We have the gospel, we have the power, we have the spirit of God. And we need to add to that the availability. The consciousness that, you know what, we need to tell somebody how good God is. Amen. Tell me, that's me. I'm available. I'm not like Jonah. Well, listen, if the spirit of God quickens you to do something, say something, pray something, give something, and you don't do it, that's the same thing as acting like Jonah. The reasons are irrelevant. We can look at Jonah and say, well, this is a notoriously evil gang of people. And you're right. They were vicious, ugly, mean, horrible people. You could say, well, he just wanted them to get their just desserts because of the persecution of Israel all those years. He wouldn't see God nail them, maybe. Scripture indicates maybe he thought he would really. We don't know what was really going on. But if he was not afraid, that would be a miracle. How wicked they were. His excuses to not be available are not valid and are not defensible. And your excuses for not being available are not defensible either. Whatever it is. I'm afraid to say something. It's inconvenient to say something. They'll reject me if I say something. You know what? God will just turn it around and bless them anyway. He doesn't need me. Here's a great one in the modern body of Christ. Somebody else will go if I don't. That's a big lie from the pit of hell. Do you realize you might be number 552 that God's talked to? That's not an overstatement. Sometimes God has to talk to dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of Christians to find one that'll do what he said. One of the first lessons I ever got as a newly born again Christian, spirit-filled Christian, was when a young man that I had idolized in, in, in the uh, sport of swimming, he's six years older than me, he's the only other person to be a state champion nationally ranked, on our swim club, and I was the other person. And I always told him, you know, whatever you get in this event, I'm going to beat your time. I'm going to beat your time. I used to even, you know, play a bet with them, you know, and whatever. And I come uh, back from college in Charleston in December. My mom hands me a newspaper article where this individual had taken a bottle of pills and killed himself. Um, got sick, lost a swimming scholarship in college, went on and finished his degree, went up to Indiana, started teaching up there, got married, had two kids, and one day he goes home and he finds a letter from his wife saying, I've taken the kids and I'm leaving you. And that was all he could take. This was a typical, you know, upper middle class American family seeming everything in order with no spiritual foundation that they live for. And I remember, I was at Murray State, I was walking past the library, and I remember asking the Lord, here's how we think, because whenever something goes wrong, we automatically assume God's the one that let us down. God's the one that missed the boat. God is the one that somehow didn't take care of this situation. 
And that's exactly the spirit that I approached him in. After all, I was a baby in the Lord. My mind hadn't been renewed, and I hadn't had much training in it at all. That's one of the reasons I was at Murray State, was to get grounded in the things of God. And I said, why didn't you send somebody to talk to him, to reach him? You know what the Lord told me? I did. In fact, I didn't send one person. I sent many people to him. You think that if you don't act, if you're not available, that God will meet that financial need through somebody else, or God will take care of that transportation need, or God will take care of that gas in, or God will take care of that propane, or God will take care of those groceries, or God will take care of praying for them because they're sick, or God will take care of visiting them in the hospital, or God will take through somebody else, you know, intervening in their life because they're suicidal. You think that, I'm telling you, that most people in the body of Christ in America are not available. They've got a do not disturb sign held out on their heart. And this nonsense, if I don't do it, somebody else will, that's one of the first strongholds that needs to go in the modern body of Christ. And I promise you this, you can take it with a grain of salt or you can take it with great conviction tonight. If God comes to you, I promise you, you would not have been the first person. Don't take that as an insult. When God told Happy Caldwell, I want you to build a radio television network in Arkansas to cover the state of Arkansas with the gospel of Jesus Christ, he said, Lord, why me? And the Lord told him, yes, you're the seventh person I've talked to. And his first instinct was, what, I'm number seven? <laughs> That's up to him. But there is a myth in the body of Christ that says if you know, if I don't do it, he'll just find somebody. He's probably already gone through some people before it even came to us. Unavailable, 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 unavailable. Revelation, empowerment, connectivity, but unavailable. How can somebody connect to the God be unavailable? Happens all the time. Amen. Thank you for your enthusiasm over this revelation. I am Pastor Art, and I approve of this message. Yes, amen. Say it with me. I'm available. available. Whatever he needs, whatever he needs, wherever he needs it, I'm available. I was completely blown away that somebody so talented, everything going for him could just snuff his life out. How old was he? I was only 18, so he was only 24 years old when he killed himself. 24 years old to make a judgment call about the quality of his life based on those circumstances. Amen? Amen. You could be the person. Now, you can only do what you're called to do. Are you here today? But when he knocks on your heart's door, just say, you know what, just like Isaiah, you know, here am I. Forget all the fancy-schmancy language. Just, just let the Lord know you're available. Amen? Say, I am available. Let's give him a hand clap and thank him for that.